bandwidth for this week's episode of Book Eyes is brought to you by hollowbooks.com, where they create custom-made books where you can hide just about anything. You choose the book, they do the rest. And in Toronto, Kanakistan, my name is Paul Alves, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Craig Damlo in Seattle. How you doing, Craig? Good, but I'm uh, coming from uh, Kansas today. Oh, Kansas. Interesting. Interesting. Getting ready for the real Thanksgiving, which happens in November, not October. That's crazy. That's crazy. You, you Americans. Speaking of Americans, we got Sir Jimmy all the way in his hollow book bunker, and I believe he does have a new bell today. How you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing fantastic. Good to be here. <laughs> this is going to be a morning zoo today, I think. <laughs> yeah, we have some great guests today, guys. We've got uh, all the way in Long Island, New York, author Rob Dirks. How you doing, sir? Good. Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. You've been uh, writing and narrating some great audiobooks. We've been enjoying them. We can't wait to talk to you about them. Cool. Cool. Speaking about good books, we got uh, one more author. Mr. Kevin Cady, all the way in Colorado Springs. How are you, sir? Doing great, yeah. Thanks for having me as well. <laughs> you know, really, folks, the folks at home, really, Kevin is really thinking, oh, my God, why am I on this thing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, jo- joining us as well is podcast legend himself, Jury, Justin Robert Young. How are you, sir? <laughs> oh, geez. Le- I don't know about legend. Well, you it's know, official I'm, now. I'm, 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 a uh, podcaster, uh, certainly. Well, thank you. You're very, very kind. Uh, well, every legend uh, has to start to somewhere. It has to start somewhere, and that and your the legend of Justin Robert Young starts today. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Then let's <laughs> let's do something legendary. Let's do it. <laughs> ah, wonderful day in Toronto. Zero degrees Celsius, thirty-two Fahrenheit. And uh, I think we're going to start the show today by uh, just talking to all our guests and. Uh, seeing what cool stuff they're doing. Uh, I'm going to go in a sort of alphabetical order here. Uh, we'll start with Mr. Kevin Cady. Kevin Cady, author of A Solitary Awakening, which I believe is just the first of three books in the Warren Files, yes? I think Kevin first is gone. Three. Um, the next one hopefully will be, be out there this, uh, this summer. Nice, <clears throat> nice, nice. Tell us a bit about uh, A Solitary Awakening and, and the Warren Files in general. Well, the the solitary uh, a solitary awakening is uh, say the, like the first in the trilogy, and it really sets everything up in kind of a big national story where you have two two FBI detectives following a killer around, uh, deemed the poetic murderer mid midway about the book, um, and he uh, he leaves leaves different poems or clues at the crime scene that kind of amount to something bigger. And what you what you start learning about in the very first book culminates at the end of the third in a way that you you definitely wouldn't have expected. So starts off with this big story um, and then adds up to something that's very different by the end of the third one. Yeah, I really enjoyed following the, the characters around as they bounced around uh, the United States of America. Uh, it, where is the, the second book in the series also <clears throat> set? So what the, what the second book does is something very different, where the first book is is big and uh, and national um, in terms of story. The second one, they they get pulled into this remote uh, remote town called Grizzly, where they're stuck. It is uh, blocked off on all sides, inaccessible, and it's less than a hundred people. So where the first story is very you know is big in terms of scope, 
The second is very tiny, and so it had to be. It's a story that has to be told very differently, and different things have to be accomplished to kind of get to, to get get to the end of it. So, with those two things, the it, it leads you into the third one, which is more international, and so it kind of brings brings things back to a larger scale again. Awesome! Can't wait to to see the rest of them. Uh, are, are you have any plans for audio version? Um, it's something where I, I, I guess I haven't thought about it at this point. I would love to do that. It's something where um, it wasn't, I'm sure it would have been an option uh, publishing wise. It's just not something that I've, I've looked into at this point, but I know I would love to. You might want to talk to uh, Rob Dirks over here in the chat room. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Rob, you nice got, to meet you over there. Yeah, and Kevin, you've got a great voice. You could totally narrate it. <laughs> Well, I, uh, I, th that would make me very uncomfortable, but, you know, maybe maybe that would be a, a solid idea. I, Rob, I was looking into uh, to your book. Uh, it's called Where the Hell is Nikola Tesla? It looks awesome as well. Thanks, man. Yeah, let, yeah let's absolutely. talk a bit about that because, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Tesla. Uh, I appreciate that in the last uh, 10 years or so, uh, there's been a resurgence of, uh, you know, uh, just awareness about Nikola Tesla because for quite a while, you know, it was all Einstein and nobody knew who Tesla was, but... Um, tell us a bit about how that, that one came about. Where the hell is Tesla? Uh, I think, well, it's definitely a mishmash. It's, a, it's definitely a blender story. And the Tesla part is, uh, I was always really fascinated by the Tesla conspiracy theories. You know, like he sort of straddled this world of amazing inventor and visionary, uh, but also kind of crazy, you know, towards the end. Um, and there, and the, exactly pigeon lover. And, uh, <laughs> And apparently, according to the conspiracy theories, he uh, he kept he kept these journals, and when he died, they disappeared into the hands of the FBI. And I thought that was a great setup for a uh, a low performance security guard to find it in a in an old warehouse. Absolutely, absolutely. I I really enjoyed the both your the audiobooks I listened to. Uh, I think you did very well as a narrator. Yes, thanks, man. I, I mean, our our rule of thumb is don't narrate your own audiobooks, but uh, there are people like Rob Dirks and you know Scott Sigler who can do it, and and good on you. Stephen King is not one of them. He certainly should <laughs> not narrate his own audiobooks. Did he ever try? Did he ever do one? Yeah, he. I think he did uh, the entire audiobook for on writing, and it wasn't too bad because he was talking about his writing. But I really yeah, wouldn't yeah. want to hear, you know, <laughs> that voice. You know, like reading The Shining or something. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I was gonna say, Rob. I think it was. I listened to "Where the Hell Is Nikola Tesla" and then "The Wrong Unit," uh, your other book. Yep. And yep. Uh, I mean, great on both parts. But there was uh, part of what I loved about it, listening them back to back, was you and the voices you do, and then carrying over just you know just because it's the same narrator, you kind of catch it's like, hey, that's the same. That guy sounds exactly like the guy from uh, the other dimension. Yeah, and it's a completely a, different book. I only have like four voices. Yeah, no, no um, the uh, that was a, a great concept too. The wrong unit. I mean, I, I went in. I didn't even look at the very closely at the album art. I just started it and had no clue. I, I actually thought it might have been like a story about a World War II, uh, you know, tactical error. Who knows? <laughs> but but uh, tell us a bit about uh, tell us in your own words. It's uh, that was a fascinating uh, concept. Uh, I love like regular guy stories. So uh, like Tesla was really a regular guy story about this guy named Chip. So the wrong unit is uh, really a regular guy story. It's but it's in the future, and the regular guy is this 
android is this kind of helper android and uh he gets mistakenly thrust into this critical mission to save humanity and of course he's completely unprepared for it i i did get one criticism of the book from a facebook friend that it was not long enough so on your uh next endeavor (laughs) they want they want more of your writing yeah i've got this thing like i'm I'm trying to write like 55,000 word novels and I am getting some feedback that people are used to longer than that. What do you guys think? I, you know, I personally, I thought it was good. I thought it ended at the right time. It, it sometimes longer books seem to drag, but it kept a good pace and ended where it should have ended. You didn't, you know, you didn't move on after the end of the story, which sometimes happens. I liked how it, it ended where it should have. I, I didn't think it was a, a fair criticism. I was just passing it along. No, no, no. And I think, uh, I don't know if I could even write 80,000 words to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a natural progression. My wife asked me, where are all my Harry Potter books? And we went to the, the bookstore and bought each one uh, after the first one every day that, that it came out. And she was wanted to go and look and see if she had this one that was worth a bunch of money with a misprint in it. So I went uh, out in the garage and got out. Uh, actually have all the books in a case that the last set of books came in and all seven books fit in the case perfectly and if you look at them they just get thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker uh, as yeah. it goes. and nobody <laughs> complained the, uh, about that that's the frank herbert effect yeah. <laughs> dude they were all huge <laughs> yeah after a did while frank, i guess did the... frank herbert ever write a short book no i don't think so uh he there's a collection of <laughs> short stories of his his short stories are good too right, uh, I, gotta, I gotta read that yeah you've got and i can't think of the name of one of the short stories it's about a frog in a uh laboratory um that it's it's maybe uh you know a dozen pages it's but it's it's a great short story awesome awesome Good. But he now he did not narrate any of his own books because he didn't live to be two hundred. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, tell us a bit about that, Rob. Because uh, I mean, what what possessed you to just narrate your own book? Uh, well, I'm self-publishing uh, the books, um, and I have a fair bit of uh, audio recording background. My brother and I have an ad agency, and we've uh, done radio for a long time. And in radio, like you'll write a script. And, like, they need to kind of see how long it is and how the pace is. So I've been doing scratch tracks for, you know, 15 years uh, with without the intent of me being the speaker on the final radio spot. But then it winds up happening. Great. And, and I think that's Justin Robert Young in the background doing Foley for us tonight. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I'm uh, you know, trying to keep uh, keep busy here, but I was really enjoying the conversation for the record. <laughs> no, no, normally we hear uh, we hear like exacto uh, uh, knife scratching because uh, Jimmy's hollowing out a book or something. So it's it's all good. Uh, no, that's me. I'm running my you know uh, uh, leaving for Thanksgiving tomorrow, so I'm just trying to get as much done um, with everything as possible. Okay. I will say this though that that that, uh, that 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 scratch track game, man, like that's no lie. I, I know a, a buddy of mine also works in advertising. That uh, you know, you just do those scratch tracks, and next thing you know, when when the client is like, oh well, it's going to be this much more to pay for an actual voice actor. They, they wind up settling real quick on, yeah, yeah. on those like, dulcet tones. Yeah. Scratch track. That's fine. 
Yeah, like, oh, it's good. It's great. No, I have a, a buddy of mine that's got, like, two or three national radio ads, like, just because, you know, he gets, gets paid for it, uh, you know, because uh, they're like, oh, yeah, no, I guess that's just it. I guess you did, I guess you did good enough. That'll do, pig. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, I've judged audiobook competitions, and, and so I'm being really honest when I say you did a good job, Rob, and uh, I'm looking forward to listening to more of your, more of your stuff, my friend. Thank you, man. What's what's in the works? I think, Paul, I'm gonna Paul, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna run the uh, the roughs by you next time because you're good at picking up little blunders. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I, I come off as rude sometimes, but I'm I'm actually trying to be helpful. No, 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 that's the best. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you said that word three times, you know, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. Hey, when you have to listen to like you know 30 hours of uh, you know audio, sometimes you miss one flub. Big deal. Big deal. Um, yeah, great stuff from Rob Dirks. Where can we find uh, all your stuff, Rob? Uh, everything's on Amazon uh, for the ebooks and the print, and then uh, both of the novels are on Audible for the audiobooks. Uh, I'm working on the sequel to Where the Hell's Tesla right now, uh, so that should be in around March of Ooh, next year. Interesting. And then for free stuff, um, I'm doing a little podcast, monthly short stories. Yeah, tell us a bit about that. Uh, before we start talking to Justin about all these podcasts that he's doing, uh, tell us about your podcast of short stories. I uh, they believe they're, short, uh, they're science fiction stories, right? Yeah, little science fiction stories. It's called Listen to the Signal. Um, and like, I wanted to find a way to, to, give, to give things to people. Like, I'm not good at extemporaneous articles and posts and, like, my opinion about this or that. Um so I said, you know what? I love writing. I love recording these little audio things. Let me just do one each month, and it gives me a chance to do things I wouldn't normally do either, uh, take chances on storylines and stuff, or maybe test out storylines that might turn into books later. And it's been fun so far. I only have three up. Yeah, yeah. I subscribed, and uh, interesting, interesting so far. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Lo- I love yeah. short story yeah, podcasts and uh, stuff like uh, yeah, know, the, message the, the No great. Sleep podcast, The Message. Yeah, those are all fantastic. And uh, so is Night Attack. So are so is hey! politics, politics, politics. The the you know it's it's a podcast so good they named it three times. <laughs> <laughs> so well, so Justin, how did how did you and uh, Brian get together for a Night Attack? How did that whole thing happen? Well, you know, uh, uh, Brian and I first met because he uh, obviously was and still is a, a, a stage magician and uh, I through a series of uh, uh, hilarious events wound up writing a daily magic news blog uh, that is magic as in tada and not the gathering um, and uh, uh, so I wound up kind of just covering the magic industry, and, and uh, I remember it as if it were yesterday. I was living in, uh, I guess it would be Davie, Florida still, and uh, my roommate came out, and he was uh, a big fan of Revision 3 podcasts, like Dignation and the Totally Rad Show, and he was like, uh, hey, you should pay attention to this. There's this guy who's doing a magic show on Revision 3, and so... So I did, and I wrote it up, uh, you know, because as you might imagine, covering the <laughs> the world of stage and internet ma- and television magicians, right. uh, you know, you're not exactly swimming in content. So uh wrote it up and, uh, uh, you know, wound up here in Backroom kind of almost immediately because Brian obviously is very uh, connected to internet stuff and, um, and, and, and vain enough to understand exactly when anybody is mentioning him on the internet. 
uh, <laughs> and then uh, you know there was a little dust up. There was some weird dust up where there was a marketed magic trick uh, where you effectively turn you you lit a match and then extinguished the match, and then like seconds afterward you opened up your mouth and you exhaled smoke basically uh and brian did that effect and gave it away in uh the first or second episode of scam school so it was a little mini controversy uh within the the the, the world of magicians right because you're not supposed to do that uh uh yeah so the difference was is that the guy who marketed the trick got it from brian so it was brian's to give away Right, right. Uh, and, and so I basically, in you know, I think Brian very much appreciated the fact that there was somebody that was actually like calling and reporting on really dumb, petty uh, magic board gossip uh, instead of just dogpiling. And, and so I think that's where kind of our friendship sort of began in earnest was uh, was was me uh, kind of doing my my legwork on on magic message board gossip. <laughs> interesting just for the yeah. chicks yeah because yeah, I mean, you know if there's any way that you can just totally crush it it's uh it's 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 writing about magic <laughs> making your mouth glow with a matchstick oh yeah oh i i did that i did that trick once or twice and that was enough uh oh the uh, the, the the smoke one i think it yeah. was called warning initially when it was marketed as a trick by daniel garcia and uh, I don't know what Brian called it, but yeah, spoiler alert, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, it's not a trick. Like you literally just, <laughs> it's something it's a, that it's happens a... when you just inhale uh, a possibly cancerous uh, it's, vapor. It's, it's, a, it's very unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, uh, they wound up not marketing the trick anymore because yeah, they no were uh, unable to conclusively come to uh, a, a decision on whether or not it was cancerous or not. <laughs> Oh man! And you guys have a great, uh, just a great following. What a great group of of people you have! They 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 literally stand behind every project you guys uh, you guys do. Uh, what do you guys do to build such a great, uh, you know, what do you call a connected audience? Like uh, like you well, have. Well, you know, like like most things that didn't, you know, it, it it took a lot of effort, but not a lot of work. If that makes sense, you know, it's like we just kind of kept showing up. Yeah, you know, ninety. 90- nine percent of succeeding is just showing up especially on the internet when you are competing against such a volume and fire hose of free content constantly so you know uh, uh, i think you know part of it for us has just been you know audience inter- i mean like number one there there's just something different about live stream audiences you know yeah uh, that's true because it's almost going back to like classic television days where it's like a. You know, it's a, that appointment you have every week. You're going to sit down and, and turn on Night Attack. Well, more than that, even it, it it's it to me. I mean, it's 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 like what uh, you know radio content is. Like, I mean, I remember one of my earliest memories about kind of radio was that there was a, a morning zoo team in uh, in South Florida called Bobby and Footy. In the and morning. I remember, Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was that kind of show. And, and I remember at the point that I started listening to them as a kid, they were putting out their fifth greatest hits album, basically, where it was just like their 
bits from the radio that they did that people liked. And I remember it was just so weird that like, or it was like one of those phenomena. If you've ever listened to, you know, a radio show, uh, uh, you know, for a while, you have that phenomenon where you're laughing at something or you find yourself laughing at something later in the day. And then you have to do the laborious and impossible task of explaining to somebody who's curious about why you're laughing, what the joke is. And you just realize it's part of this weird, long-form, interconnected relationship that you have with a program that you can interact with. And if radio was that on some level, live streaming is that on such a different level <laughs> because you know you can interact. You can tell them what to do. You can immediately change the course of, of conversation. And, and I think that that's, that's part of it. You know, we were, we were live streaming, uh, you know, on, on sites like, you know, Ustream and, and Stickam and, uh, uh, you know, Justin TV, like, like that'll ever blow up. Um, Cause you, you guys are literally, and, uh, wa you're watching the chat room as well, right? During the show and you put it up on the screen. Of course. Oh God. Yeah. No, the chat so, room so it's is, almost like this, this real time focus group. And, and like literally if everyone in the chat room is saying boring, you guys just switch to the next topic. It's genius. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it's actually even more interesting because they will tell us what to, what to focus on instead of that, you know? Fantastic. Like, so it, 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 it's not necessarily, it, it's, it, we, I think we've Tom Merritt, who's a, an amazing podcaster, um, you know, uh, uh, told me something that has always stuck with me, which is that you get the audience you deserve. And, and depending on the behavior that you reward and how you talk to people and, 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 and what stuff you find funny, like, you will find those people because the Internet's full of it. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, that, that's just kind of where we're at is, is, you know, we just, we show up, we talk to people, and if you do that over, uh, you know, like, geez, we've been doing this for like seven years now, you know, uh, at some point uh, it pays off. Absolutely, absolutely. You've got quite a few other podcasts as well. I know you're, you're uh, your own politics, 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 and I, I you know, I'm not yeah. gonna, you talk about politics, obviously, <laughs> and uh, you do some segments on Scott Johnson's morning stream. You're, you're mm -hmm. a busy guy. Uh. Well, you know, you, you try to stay busy, especially now that it's my job, you know, uh, I, I, I kind of uh, I've kind of started to become more and more suspicious of free time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a that's quote of the day right there. Uh, guys, I think we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with uh, more fun. I wouldn't exactly call my life normal, but. Things have gotten a little weird since I started experimenting with this book called The Dark Tome. When I say the book opened other worlds, I mean that literally. It, it worked! It worked! Holy crap, it worked! There it is! The little village! Uh, what did they call it? Uh, Posse... Posse, uh... Positano. Ah! <laughs> no need to be frightened, little girl. If you think imagination is a toy to be locked in a box when the grown-up world comes crashing in, then you must never have heard the legend of the Dark Tome. I mean, I never had either. Not until that May. It was 820 steps from Suliscale to the world below. 
I walk them again and again with my father, following his tread from our home in the sky and then back again. I walked those stairs when I slept in my dreams. If I had any sense, I would stay home now, but I can't. I don't want to. I need another story. The truth? I believe the stairs led down into hell. And hell was where I wanted to go. The Dark Tome as a new audio fiction series by Fred Greenhalgh and Bill Dufries. Debuting October 28th, 2016. Find The Dark Tome on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or visit thedarktome.com. The Dark Tome. Open the book. Unlock imagination. What happens now? Will you continue reading, or...? I don't know. It is up to you. I have all the time in the world. What's your bird's name, Justin? Oh, we got three of them. We have uh, Dr. Bird, Cooper Bird, and Milo Bird. All right. And with that, we'll get back to the show. (laughs) Hi, this is David Cummings, the host and producer of the No Sleep Podcast. And you're listening to The Book Guys. And we are back, and uh, it's your your call, Jimmy. Are we doing podcasts, or what are you reading next? Well, uh, I was browsing Reddit today, and uh, I subscribed to the Deadwood subreddit. Uh, that's one of my new favorite podcasts. Of course, those guys said that they're taking a break because they're devastated by the election. Uh, <laughs> and I saw today in the Mad Men subreddit that uh, there's a brand new podcast, and I guess... By the time they posted that, now they're on episode two, and I love podcasts about dead TV shows. And there's a guy named Mike Shute or Shut S H U T T and Jeremy Nuif. They uh, they force each other to watch movies and TV shows that the other guy hasn't seen, and now they're doing Mad Men, and it's <laughs> okay. called mm, No Excuses. Hmm. So I'll, I'll report back next week on what it's like. I downloaded them just when I got home tonight, so I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, I'm still working my way through uh, the No Sleep podcast. I'm going through back to the, I think I'm in their third season, working my way backwards. <laughs> and uh, every once in a while, uh, David Cummings suggests other horror fiction podcasts, so then I have to, now I have to binge those as well. I don't know. Uh, Mr. Craig, any new podcasts on your list? Uh, no, not really, actually. Uh, I've been listening to too many books, so uh, podcasts have slid backwards a bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let, let's do this then. Yeah. What's on your... What's on your Kindle, your nightstand? What's on your... What's on your internet-connected birdcage? What are you reading? <laughs> what are you reading? Huh. You know, guys, um, I'm I'm really into <laughs> books about like natural disasters and man-made disasters because I, I, you know, I like to know what you know what was happening in the world, what was happening in people's brains that caused them to you know do these awful things, and, and that's why the next book on my list is uh, Lucas: A Life Story of George Lucas. I want to know what how the hell what the hell was he thinking when he made those prequels? <laughs> uh, have you? You read the 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 How Star Wars Conquered the Universe book? No, I haven't. I would highly recommend that. Okay, How highly, Star highly, Wars highly recommend it. Conquered the it's, Universe. It, it, 
It's uh, written by a man named Chris Taylor, uh, who we've been happy uh, to have on the Weird Things podcast. But he's um, uh, he does an amazing, uh, exhaustive job, not only kind of tracking down and corroborating a lot of kind of the Lucas mythos, but also kind of telling a fuller story of, of how much fan culture kind of dictated uh uh, you know, the Star Wars. And, and really what you kind of find, not to, I mean, there's a million miles between this, and this is really just my takeaway from it, but that a lot of the questions of, like, you know, why is Lucas just, you know, fat old cash grabber Lucas as he kind of gets uh, <laughs> demonized by by fandom. Yeah, lo- uh, love was lost, you, wasn't it? Very quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, especially with the kind of uh, prequels and then the animated stuff afterward and more the movie. I think the movie was the straw that broke the camel's back, but uh, you know, really what you find out is that he had been trying to not make star Wars, make Lucasfilm, the star Wars company forever. And every time he tried, he, uh, you know, it just wouldn't work for him. Yeah. Uh, And, and so he always kind of had to keep going back to the star Wars. Well, not necessarily because, he wanted to enrich himself, but because he just didn't want people to lose their jobs. Uh, and, and a lot of that reason is, uh, is, is because, you know, he, he decided to rebuild Hollywood north of San Francisco. And, and he was very invested in that idea. Yeah, so, so it sounds like, yeah, he was trying to, you know, get other, other properties of theirs going. And he always had to go back to Star Wars to pay the bills, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, listen, the, the 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 book is so much more than that, and uh, I would highly recommend. I'm gonna check that out. How Star Wars Conquered the Universe by Chris Taylor, and uh, I'm not sure who the is author there, is. Is there a consensus among you guys about Episode Seven? Um, uh, it's great. No. <laughs> I I liked it. I think they went the safe route and just redid you know Star Wars Episode Four for a modern audience, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, that's that was kind of my take. Yeah, that it was so disappointing for that fact. Yeah, I was going to say that's why I that's why I think it's a great movie, but I think it's a disappointment if you've seen any other Star Wars film. Yeah. If it was your first one, great. Yeah, I have no plans to rewatch it, and that's that's. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind if, if, it, it if had episode the weird eight. effect for me of making me appreciate the prequels a little bit. You know, <laughs> at, least how, yeah. at least how original they were, you know. By the way, I'd, I'd like to say before the emails come in. Uh, that I, I, I'm sorry for comparing 9-11 to a trilogy of movies. <laughs> I just know we're going to get <laughs> hey, you wrote the, you, wrote, you wrote the book on 9-11, the bathroom Bible. I did. Yes. So, I think, I think we, we did. That was, that was a, uh, that was a tentative title, but it was, I think it's 9-11, a complete guide. I should probably update that thing. Find it on iTunes. Probably. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Mr. Katie. Anything on your yes, uh, bookshelf or your internet-connected birdcage? <laughs> sure. Um, the uh, the thing that I actually just finished reading is a book called Shadowland, um, and I I picked it up a couple times, and it was pretty dense. It's, it was by it's by Peter Straub, um, but it was really phenomenal. Like I say just finished it, and it was about uh, these two young young boys kind of stuck at a boarding school. Uh, one of their uncles is this kind of infamous magician that one you know he knows. His nephew knows just a little bit about, um, and so the, the story goes forward, and they're kind of whisked away to, to kind of his, where, where he lives, and it's a really, really cool book, really cool book, pretty dark. Nice. Very cool. Mr. Damlo, anything on your bookshelf that we should know about? 
Sorry, I am actually eating that uh, uh, aforementioned <laughs> cotton well, candy. Then, then that, that's perfect. I, I wanted the last book I li- uh, listened to. Uh, I drove from Seattle to Kansas City, so I had lots of time to listen. Um, it was In and Out Burger, the behind the counter look at the fast food chain that breaks all the rules. Interesting. Uh, and I guess I guess for it, you know, half of the podcast, they don't know what an In and Out Burger is. <laughs> uh, or the cult following they have, so uh, it was. It's an interesting book. Going, kind of going through it. Um, you, you know, it starts out as a traditional fast food chain, or, or you know, small fast food chain, mom and pop place. They make good food, and then the last uh, couple of chapters, it really starts to twist as one brother dies, the other one gets arrested with a briefcase full of drugs. Uh, you know, kind of uh, fear and loathing style, nice. and he eventually dies. And now the granddaughter is fighting for the company. You know, didn't didn't work there, didn't go to college, but she wants business cards that say that she's an owner. Wow! Trials and tribulations. I'd be I'd be interested yes. to read a, a. Has anyone read any book on uh, like McDonald's? I think they kind of started the whole, you know, super automated. Uh, fast food phenomenon uh i haven't I, I the that tom hanks made that movie uh about ray cock um, no i think it's a it's a keaton right it's, it's coming out this it, uh this fall yeah michael keaton okay I, I couldn't remember they talk about mcdonald's in the in and out one and how ray ray was the one that innovated all the automation stuff and he had actually uh you tried to buy a bunch of other burger places too but uh, and then tried to sell automated stuff to in and out and in and out just you know wouldn't have any of it. Uh, they I still do he, everything by hand. Didn't he start out selling milkshake machines or something like that? Yeah, I think that's what it was. Hmm. <laughs> birdie, birdie. <laughs> um, hey, uh, oh Rob. yeah, sorry guys. No, don't worry. <laughs> we love pets. Uh, Mr. Dirks, what's uh, what's on your uh, internet connected uh, birdcage? I uh, just finished uh, Girl with All the Gifts, M.R. Carey. Uh, it's sci-fi. Have you guys read that? No, I haven't read On that On the train? Yet. Not yet. The, no, The Girl with All the Gifts. Uh, it's really great sci-fi. Total, um, total like dystopian, strange, like, I don't want to give anything away, but like strangely satisfying, but very no, uh, downer know, ending. Really, really good book. The constant Go the readers know that you had me at dystopian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent book. I just finished that one. I'm, uh, I just started listening to uh, Sca- John Scalzi's Got the Dispatcher yeah. out, and that's good. Zachary Quinto is uh, narrates that, and he's, he does a great, great job. Oh, uh, yes. I, w- I believe that one was uh, free on Audible a little while ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I picked it up when it was free, and I just started listening to it. Yeah, you folks, you got to watch Audible once in a while. They, uh, they just pop on their front page uh, free uh, audiobooks once in a while. It's kind of neat. Can't beat free, Audible. right? I got, a, I got a nonfiction one, too. <laughs> non- nonfiction, I'm reading uh, this book, Anti-Fragile. Also, highly recommend. It's uh, a Yeah, about... that's uh, the, the Black Swan guy, right? Yeah, yeah, the Black Swan guy, exactly. I forget his name. He's got a kind of a strange name. Yeah, something... Uh, I always I always want to call him Raphael Sadiq, but he's the R&B singer. It's something a little bit like hard to remember like that. Really cool book, though. A little, you know, his writing's a little bit different, but uh, great concepts, just like the Black Swan. 
Yeah, you know, the funny thing about him, he, in this, uh, you know, like, kind of like post, uh, you know, the, the that, that like big data sociology boom, like from like, you know, wisdom of the crowds yep. and free economics on, like uh, he certainly has, I think, some very interesting ideas and yet is kind of like the most aggressive writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, That's... You almost... That, you almost feel like he's like yelling at you. Yeah, like it's like, all right, man, jeez, like, and he, like tell me your idea. Yeah, he certainly isn't afraid to let you know what his opinion is. <laughs> or you kind of feel like he's just sort of like subtweeting other books you haven't read, and you're <laughs> like, wow, he's spending a lot of time on this one point that doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense for what he's talking about. I'll bet you he just has a beef with some other author, and he's just trying to light him up. <laughs> it happens. Speaking That's why I'm being very careful what I say about. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, man. He's in these streets, man. They'll throw hands. Whatever his name is, Raphael Sadiq. He's a hell of a singer, too. <laughs> yeah, talking about big data and wisdom of crowds, uh, maybe there's one topic we can uh, sort of end the show off with, uh, which uh, I think right now is the biggest threat to pretty much uh, democracy as we know it, is is the, the recent news that... Uh, Google and Facebook and, and soon other uh, Twitter and other uh, networks are going to start flagging uh, content as being fake news or removing it altogether. Um, I believe Facebook announced that they're going to be using, of course, the wisdom of the crowd and third parties. Uh, again, that that's one thing that uh, sort of concerns me is when they say and third parties, I mean, who's the third party, right? Uh, is it the government? And sometimes the, the government changes <laughs> well yeah you know and and, and there's a there's a big push by uh, a lot a lot of, of people online saying yeah this is great you know get rid of breitbart get rid of uh infowars get rid of uh drudge report you know uh, screw calling it fake news just make it disappear from facebook altogether uh, but I, th I think you got to think that maybe one of those third parties might be the government and guess what it's a trump government now so now does does cnn become fake news now that someone else is in power you know what i mean mm. What, what do you guys do you think? Still, do, do we need a gatekeeper of what is the truth online? Ministry of Do you still have the Ministry of Podcasts dot com? I think I might. <laughs> I might have to <laughs> might have to bring that back. <laughs> yes. Uh, to... do, do we really? Yeah, need? I, I, I don't have a good I, answer I, for that. Yeah, like... I, I I think this is a little overblown. At least that I don't think that people are going to be as focused on it. Uh, when it doesn't involve an election that everybody was very, very, you know, insistent on, that, like, there, this narrative kind of arose that, especially in, in some of the more egregious cases, like, you know, if you're just a bunch of, you know, Macedonian teenagers that are, you know, <laughs> just throwing up random stuff that they hope to get picked up, right. now that, to me, kind of falls more in line of, like, you know, social, uh, you know, experiment slash prank but I can understand where it's like, okay, well, this is not helpful, and we should have an easier way to to stem the rise of it. But in general, if you really want to to draw a line of what's fake and what's not, it is very, 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 very hard to do. And I think that mm. ultimately, Facebook at least has made a commitment of being about as platform agnostic as as they can. I mean, if you look at how they reacted to uh you know their their trending topics thing and 
you know, how much they, they felt that they had at least, you know, that the, the fact that they invited anybody from, uh, you know, right wing news at all out to the Bay Area nationally might not seem like that big of a deal. Right. But in the right. Bay Area, that's a, a, a huge thing. Like, like it, it, it is it is a risking of personal reputation right. to ask Breitbart and Glenn Beck into your house <laughs> right. so you can apologize to them and explain yourself but, but, I, um, I, but I mean like I, I mean there, there's stories on Infowars and other sites yeah okay I can understand putting a little this might be fake news icon beside like you know stories about reptilians taking over the White House but I mean in general the Breitbart are their stories not based in reality sorry I'm not a big Breitbart fan so uh, <laughs> I mean are they talking about like Elvis uh, on the moon or no you know, I, I the, the yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it becomes a it becomes a very dangerous route. I mean, obviously the onion is fake, though. I have worked in the Midwest where people take the onion news story about the Bible being against gravity because God said, uh, you know, the fire shall move up or something like that, and people actually <laughs> going to their Bibles and checking the verses not knowing what the onion was. And on the other side, we just had a court case where Rolling Stone was found liable for printing false news about a rape, mm. a false rape. And and so now do we classify the Rolling Stone as a fake news website because they've now they've literally been found guilty of producing fake news. Well, well that's what I'm saying. I mean, it isn't every news outlet at some point uh, don't they screw up? Don't they? Okay, I can see the onion. Right. Okay. Right. Obviously, in the Beaverton up here in Canada, same thing. They're they're it's a comedy channel. Okay, maybe we should flag you know comedy websites as not being real news. Okay, great. But I mean, CNN was telling us that they were yank you know uh, Iraqis were you know yanking babies out of incubators you know at one point when they wanted to go to war. So we could flag CNN as well as fake news. Every, yeah, every outlet gets a story. Some guy's being interviewed in the street, and it turns out that, that the guy's like a, a weatherman or a reporter, just posing as, as or somebody. like just la- last week when when the the guy was giving his anti you know anti Trump rant on on CNN, and it was literally the uh, it was the the guy back in the studio at CNN that outed him as being one of their cameramen. So no, he was still a guy on the street. Yeah, he was still a guy on the street. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Paul, your, your I, question I, I, almost is, gets the idea of manipulation, you know, like how much of media is manipulation. And that's that I think is a more important thing. I mean, fake news is one thing, but, you know, we need we, what we more need is a manipulation scale. But even even if everything you read was true, you're going to read news sources that lean towards what you already like. And you're going to they're going to continue to go that way. That's how you end up with uh, Breitbart or uh, Infowars is even if you do have a few fake things in there, you you just tend to start following the people that are already telling you you're right. Well, uh, fake, fake, fake is such a fake is such a problematic term. for me. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I just really don't like it. Like and and. Like yes, if it's like you know somebody made the 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 joke that it, you know it's it's like 
But what they want to do is guard against, you know, a, a patriot.eagle slash USA says Hillary invented AIDS. And it's like, okay, well, like, yes, I can understand where something that is like spamming, right. uh, you know, stuff or like is serially creating uh, things that have zero basis in truth and don't source anything, then maybe there's some algorithmic way to keep track of it. But I agree with you guys that if we want to get into misleading stuff then man the new york times ran a poll aggregate called upshot that said uh, uh by the end of the election that donald trump had an under five percent chance of winning which i understand statistically means that we just live in the anomaly but that is not exactly how people took it people took it as there was uh, next to zero chance that donald trump would be our president and uh you know uh, not to spoiler alert but he wound up becoming the president so it's like you know, what is misleading is, is very weird, and I don't think we should conflate it with fake. And, and you know, as far as people manipulating you, all I can say is, is from my experience in working in print journalism, uh, laziness is a far bigger problem than manipulation. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm sure things absolutely. happen on some level, and certainly unconscious bias seeps in, or conscious bias seeps in on every level. Uh, but you know, in, in general, journalists are, they're, they're, they're hardworking people that are trying to do their job. And a lot of them tend to be, you know, bad at their job or lazy, you know, yeah. or, and, and or Justin, don't you, do you have, they um, don't want to leg things out. You have some standing in this. I mean, uh, wasn't your background in jur- journalism? Yeah, no, I got a degree at Syracuse university, which has a, a renowned journalism program. Uh, I, I of course immediately squandered it by trying to you know make dick jokes for a living but like uh, I, I did work <laughs> well, I mean, in a newspaper and... syracuse is a bad example they they falsified all of their basketball wins oh Whoa, all right <laughs> all right you trying to throw hands come on come on back up back up syracuse fan uh, here. oh man we're, we're yeah, gonna get flagged on. as fake news for sure yeah, I know. Yeah, I'll tell you what. You keep talking. I'm going to start calling to my friends in the media to manipulate this uh, podcast getting uh, deleted. I'm sorry. I'm wearing a KU jersey, and all I'm going to say is rough. Ah, now, now. By the way, I was in New Orleans, in New Orleans, covering that, covering that at the Final Four. That was, uh, I mean, that was just unfair. Come on. We got an NBA player on our roster. Yeah. I, I mean, that was that, that was a hell of a team. Yeah, and Jerry McNamara hit, like, uh, a, a three half-court shots like he was trying to win a free boat <laughs> at halftime. Anyway, that's this is really, really, really inside baseball. Or basketball, <laughs> I guess, is it? Ding. I think that, that's the bell that uh, that signals that we're, we're going to play the lullaby soon. Uh, so let, let's just round. Let's do the rounds here. Uh, Mr. Kevin Cady, I want you to remind everyone where they can find your books. Sure, thanks. Um, my, my website, kevinkdauthor.com, has, uh, has sample chapters. If anybody wants to check it out, I know I'm a new author, but then amazon.com as well. Um, my publisher is Lulu, so any of those options, uh, they're available. Check it out. I highly recommend A Solitary Awakening. I uh, just read it recently. It's right here. It's going onto my shelf. Um, and Mr. Rob Dirk, sir, where can uh, folks find you? Remind them again. Okay, uh, you can find both of my novels on uh, Amazon. And Audible, it's Where the Hell is Tesla and the Wrong Unit, and I got a sequel coming out. Or you could visit uh, listentothesignal.com for the podcast, and that gives you kind of a taste of what I'm working on. Fantastic. Uh, Justin, Robert, Young, sir, where can folks find you? 
Uh, oh, everybody can find me on Twitter. Uh, go ahead and get at me at Justin R. Young. I'm also Justin R. Young on Instagram and Snapchat. And uh, other than that, probably the, the, the places where you can follow my output is on my SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Justin Robert Young or R. Young. I think it is there. And then YouTube is youtube.com slash Justin Robert Young. There you go. You've got one more follower as we speak. Hey, look at that. Hey. Uh, we don't do this often, do we, Jimmy? Uh, where, where can folks find you? Well, uh, in case any of these guys see Hollow Books following them on Twitter, maybe they want to follow back. Or they can come to hollowbooks.com and uh, get their favorite book, big hole cut in it so they can hide their weed or their gun or you know, <laughs> keys to their girlfriend's house, whatever. We do it all. Fantastic. And Mr. Damlo. <laughs> You the can, Soapbox uh, Rocket. Catch, yeah, Soapbox Rocket. Catch my good podcast at lpp.soapboxrocket.com. <laughs> I'm going to flag it as a fake news just for that. <laughs> <laughs> we need a new new jingle. Fake news. Fake yeah, news. let's do that. I'm definitely going to do that. I'm going to send Adam a new jingle. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Thanks, man. We'll be back soon with uh, some interesting guests. Uh, go back through our catalog. Look at some of our uh, past interviews. We're at bookguys.ca. Find us online. See you later. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Book Guys Show will return next week. Same book time, same book channel. White people rich. Right. White people rich. That's it.